Welcome to the Women Who Lead podcast, a place where we celebrate, connect, and develop every woman in her leadership journey. Thanks for coming along. Hello, and welcome to season three of the Women Who Lead podcast. I'm Lisa Potter, your host, and it's just great to be back with you this year for a new season. It's hard to believe we've been doing this for three years, but we have, and If you've been listening and following us, you know that leadership is the core of this podcast that we do for Women Who Lead, and uh, this season we've decided to kind of give you a different structure. We're going to do 12 uh, leadership sessions with other podcasts that I do with guests woven into it, and so today you're going to be listening to about 20-25 minutes of me just giving you this leadership guidance, things that I've learned over the years or something that, a scripture that stands out to me and something that can help us as women who lead, female leaders. Um, It's different for us. It, It, you know, there's the sameness of leadership. Leadership's leadership regardless if we're male or female, um, I really don't, I feel strongly that female leaders don't lead any differently than our guy counterparts. Um, There are good leaders that are male and female, and there are bad leaders that are male and female. And we're all on a learning curve, and we're all learning. But one of the things we know is that leadership, the term leadership for women, is really something that is hard for us to wrap our mind around sometimes. Um, It's the way girls are reared differently than their uh, guy counterparts. And so uh, what happens with us is that we're not as used to the idea of leadership or visualizing ourselves as a leader. And it is often hard for us to move forward into the places even in our heart or the giftedness that we have and knowing that like this is where God's leading me or these are my natural gifts and talents where a guy do that probably on his own and not have any problem moving forward. I was listening yesterday the radio as I was going home and I love to just listen to talk shows and stuff And so they were talking about this similar issue that kind of fits here, but they were saying that they ask um, like 100 men if they, now these men had no experience like with piloting or like uh, aircrafts, anything like that. They weren't trained in it, but they asked the men, would you be able to land a plane if you needed to? And out of those 100 people, a large percentage, it was 90-some percent, said confidently, yes, I could land that plane. And this, this is the thing I'm talking about. We don't often see that with female leaders because we are uh, reared differently uh, the way things go. So we want to do this leadership podcast with you and this series to try to build upon some precepts that will help us as female leaders. So one of the stories I love in the Bible when it comes to leadership is the story about Timothy. And um, I want to just share that with you today a little bit in a leadership principle, but uh, a little bit about me. I mean, I wasn't a natural born leader. Uh, I wasn't the who's who of the youth group. Uh, 
I remember when I arrived on campus at college that I attended, I was 12 hours away from home. I was insecure, homesick, unsure of myself and scared. But I knew I was doing what God wanted me to do. Like I had some pivotal points in my life, even though I didn't have the tools at hand, I didn't have everything I needed to be the leader that God was calling me to be. I knew that I was where I was supposed to be, even though I was scared. But I knew I was doing what God wanted me to do and that I was where he wanted me to be. You know, I would try out for certain things or like you do extracurricular activities. I wasn't picked. I wasn't, I was really like a wallflower, to be honest with you. I would often not speak up in class, um, didn't bother me if I was overlooked. Uh, but everything changed one day. I remember I was sitting in a missions class I was taking and it was full freshman class, you know, and uh, so there were a lot of kids in this class and we were in a large room and I had strategically placed myself as I did most days in class, not in the front, but somewhere that I was a good student, a good listener, and I was learning, but didn't want you to call out and ask my opinion. And so that day I'm sitting there and our professor, David Wins was talking about how he had selected five students from our uh, freshman class that he had one, wanted us to, these five students to lead um, the class into these various projects for that year. And so you can imagine my surprise when he called out the names and my name was on the list. I remember thinking, oh my goodness, like I, have, I got physically sick to my stomach, I can't do this, all the insecurity started to come in. What is, you know, Professor Wynn's thinking? Um, I'm going to need to make an appointment with him and get out of this as soon as possible. And so, of course, that's what I did after class. I, you know, in my mind, I'm rolling through what I'm going to do and made an appointment with him for the next day. And uh, as I, you know, am am talking to him, I'm giving him this whole scenario, and I'm just saying, you know, uh, Brother Wins, I appreciate you calling, but you don't understand, I can't do this, and I'm giving him all the negatives, and when I finished talking, I said, Professor Wins, you have picked the wrong per person to lead this group, and I'll never forget, he looked at me intently, kind of put his hand on my shoulder like a fatherly way, and he said, no, Lisa, I've picked the right person, you just don't know it yet. And that statement at that time didn't forever change my life, but now looking back on it, it changed things forever in a sense that he was seeing something in me and this leadership potential that I hadn't even come to realize yet. And so we have a tendency with scripture um, when we look at the leaders in scripture, the Pauls, the Jesus, the Peters, the, you know, Abraham, Moses, all of these great people, look what they did, David, with these rose-colored glasses, we're looking and viewing these people of God who were used significantly, significantly, as if they were amazing, gifted, remarkable, you know, holy, extraordinary people. And in doing so, 
We have a tendency to come to scripture with rose-colored glasses and view the people of God used significantly as if they were these amazing, gifted, remarkable, holy, extraordinary people. And in doing so, we forget that they had to live the spiritual life just as we do. With struggles, they were flawed. The people of the Bible were flawed. They come from sordid backgrounds. Many of them exhibit major limitations as to why they should not be leading the way God has called them to lead. They were often, you know, frail in their faith, at least initially, and weak in many of the necessary skill sets that they needed. So when we look at Timothy in the Bible, we see that Timothy didn't come from the right background. Um, his father wasn't a spiritual leader. Uh, his father was Greek. Uh, he wasn't Paul. Okay, let's talk about that for a minute. He, he wasn't Paul. Like, he wasn't on the forefront of, of you know, being knocked off of his donkey and, and coming to this realization and he was kind of obscure. He wasn't Paul. He needed to avoid temptation. We see this in scripture. He had some health issues. He was young in his role. Like here's a here's a big thing. Talk about gender. What about age? Um, you know, being something that we're looked down upon. But Paul says to Timothy, "Don't let anyone tell you you're too young to do this." And we also see one of his limitations was that he hadn't figured it out. I mean, Paul was trying to mentor him and bring him alongside. And so we meet Timothy in the book of Acts and he, for the first time, and he's actually a young man from, um, the scripture says in Acts that he's from the town of Lystra. And we know that he's what they would call an illegitimate child. Um, he wasn't born out of wedlock, but he was born of a Gentile father and a Jewish mother. And in Jewish custom, this makes Timothy a word that is used that's called a mumzer. It's spelled M-A-M-Z-E-R, but it's a mumzer. And this mumzer is known in Jewish custom as a child of a union that is not sanctioned by biblical law as interpreted by the rabbis or a child born out of wedlock. So Timothy fits the first criteria. He's from a small nowhere town of Lister. It's not hidden that his father is a Gentile and his mother is of a Jewish, um, Jewish um, heritage. And so he is labeled from the moment he's conceived as a mumser. He's labeled at the moment he's conceived as a child of a union not sanctioned by biblical law as interpreted by the rabbis. And so what happens is that Paul begins to make a disciple out of this mumser from Lystra named Timothy. This mumser, a term used to refer to this child of illegitimate birth, and when we get into looking into the Jewish custom of everything, um, the Torah actually proclaimed that a mumzer was not allowed to enter the assembly of God's people. So 
the mumser wasn't allowed to be circumcised, hence his circumcision by Paul later in Acts. Um, he's not allowed to be a part of the community of faith. He's isolated from that. And especially in a town like Lister, that is a nothing town, people probably made sure he followed the rules. And I don't know about you, but and we're, as we're thinking about Timothy as a mumser from a nowhere town in Lystra, and, and Paul, God, point, like tapping him on the shoulder and say, saying, hey, you're it. He is the most unlikely leader in this place, in scripture, the most unlikely leader. And, but Paul sees something in him. And when we look at the scripture like 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 15, where we get this discourse where Paul is in prison and he's writing this letter to Timothy, his son in the faith. And it's a last will and testament that Paul is really writing to Timothy. It's, it's Paul's last imprisonment. He's going to die. It's, it's a time of I'm reflecting on if I'm no longer here, who's going to do what I'm doing? Well, Timothy is a son in the faith, and I'm going to write Timothy this encouraging letter. And that's basically what we have in 2 Timothy. It's Paul writing this encouraging letter to him and saying, here's what I have to say to you. And he starts off, and, you know, we see this, Paul, and I'm not going to read all of it, but he's saying to Timothy, he's like, you know, stating who he is. Like, I am Paul. I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. And then he recognizes Timothy, a mumser, an illegitimate child, according to the rabbi, the, the Jewish custom and law, unable to do, participate in learning the Hebrew scriptures under the rabbis like most of the boys in his town. Um, all of these different things, he was kept from being part of the community of faith. He's uncircumcised. And Paul says to him, to Timothy in verse 2, my dear son. So Paul brings him in as a mentor, as a leader who is, Timothy has been following, who knows his background, who's been to his small nowhere town of Lystra. And he says and calls him out and says, Timothy, my dear son. And I can imagine once we know that Timothy now was a mumser and how he was probably treated growing up, reading Second Timothy takes on a whole new light for me. And I hope after you listen to this podcast, you'll go back and reread it as well. But Timothy, my dear son, and he just starts, you know, the normal greeting, grace, peace, all of this, as in our Jesus Lord, our Jesus, our Lord be on you. He says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did. Um, I recall your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. There's a close union between these two, a father and a son union. It's probably the first time in Timothy's life that he's had a person of faith call him out into what he's probably known in his heart that God is calling him to do, but he's never been equipped, he's never been allowed into this faith community. And now, because of Paul, because of Jesus, because of the cross, Timothy, this mumser from a nowhere town in Lystra, 
begins to be called forth to have the baton passed to him from Paul. It's an amazing story when we think about it. He says in verse 5, I'm reminded, Timothy, of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. So giving that foundation of his story, he's like, I know your story, Timothy. So don't use that as an excuse. I know your story. He says, I'm persuaded that that same faith in the two of them um, now lives in you. I've seen it in you. He says, so I'm reminding you. In verse 6, he goes on to say, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. In other words, don't listen to any of that other negative stuff that's been thrown at you from the time of your conception that's been um, tried to shame you, tried to hold you back from the leadership that you're able to do. But you be reminded of the, the gift of God that's in you. Fan that into flame and remember that I laid hands on you, that I am um, carrying the cross of Christ. I am walking this road because of the blood of Christ. I have been the chief of sinners, Paul says, but I laid hands on you, and it's the grace of God that allows us to do what we do. And then he goes on to, it all makes sense. Like verse 7 makes sense to us as thinking of Timothy as a mother. He says, for the Spirit of God um, does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So don't be ashamed of your testimony, verse 8. Doesn't it all make sense now? Don't be afraid and ashamed, Timothy, that you're a mumser. Don't, be, don't say, I'm just going to stay in this nowhere town of Lystra because people aren't going to accept me because my father's a Gentile, my mother's uh, Hebrew descent, Jewish, and I am of this, un this broken union and can't be accepted can't be brought into the faith community. He says, no, 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 in verse 8. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Or look at me, he says. I'm a prisoner. I'm in jail. Don't be ashamed, Timothy. We all have a story. He's reminding of that. But he says, rather, come with me. Um, join me in suffering for the gospel. Like, not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to say great things about you. But we suffer for the gospel we do what God calls us to do, and it's, it's by his grace, through his power, through us. And then he goes on to say, you know, it, it is God that has saved us and called us to this holy life, not because of anything we've done, but it's because of his purpose and grace. So, Timothy, if you're going to wait around for you to be worthy of the calling that God is calling you to, you're, you're waiting in vain because you'll never be worthy of that. It's only through the grace of God that any of us do what we do for God. And so it's, he just talks about how this grace was given to us through Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. And he says, and of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. It was of this gospel that I persecuted that the grace of God allowed me to tell the story. And that's what he's going to do with you to Timothy. And so he goes on, I love it, because he says um, in verse 13, he's like, what you heard from me keep as a pattern of sound teaching. 
with faith and love in Christ Jesus. And then verse 14, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. I love that. Like, in leadership, like, we want to hang on the negative. We want to hang on the insecurities, the things we can't do. I'm a woman. Not everybody wants to hear a woman preach or whatever the things are that you're, you're thinking about. But guard the good deposit that was entrusted in you. What are the good things? What are the good things that can be said? What are the good things that we look at and what God is saying to us? And guard that good deposit. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Don't try to take your own mind and your own heart and make, it, make this uh, life that we live make sense. But guard the good deposit. Remember what, what God says over us. I have these scriptures that I love that I call them my I am scriptures. And when I get to these places where I'm forgetting to guard the good deposit, you know, I remember the I am scriptures. I am a new creation. You know, I, I have the mind of Christ. I put on the mind of Christ. And that's what Paul is basically saying here uh, to Timothy, who is a mumser, um, an illegitimate child born of a union, an uncommon, uh, an unnatural union between, at the, the custom of the day, a Gentile and a Jewish woman, a Gentile father and a Jewish mother. God taps Timothy on the, on the shoulder, taps him in the depth of his heart and says, I pick you. And in picking Timothy, looks deep inside and brings a Paul around uh, round to Timothy, who is able, where Timothy is able to watch this man who has his own personal story of persecuting the faith, and his own story that makes him not the right candidate with all the pedigree, um, and, you know, generations of fathers and mothers who have followed in this, and Paul is is just being a faithful servant, obedient to what God has called him to do. So the first leadership lesson in season three is this reminder. Everything in the kingdom is upside down. I'll say it again. Everything in the kingdom is upside down. Jesus talked about the kingdom principle that um, we have to lose and not be winners, <laughs> you know, to be nearer to him. We have to die to something. Jesus showed us this um, in his example of shedding his blood, dying on the cross, going the road of suffering. It's, it's an upside-down principle. It's not me winning the prize for the accolades of man, but it's me being in secret and knowing that uh, if it wasn't for the grace of God, it's, I, I couldn't do what I do. It's an upside-down principle. You know, when Samuel went to see Jesse's sons, and he went down through all of them, and it was the youngest. It wasn't the way it was supposed to be. It was always the firstborn that got the blessing. But the firstborn of Jesse's family wasn't who God had appointed and anointed as king. It was the youngest, the shepherd, the, the one that no one thought would amount to everyone that ended up killing Goliath and taking five stones. And so it's the leadership principle that I leave you with today, if you're looking for something 
to hang on to is remember that everything in the kingdom is upside down. And as female leaders, it's important for us to realize that because often we're the upside down of the kingdom. Um, we're, we're the upside down. We're not, um, you know, we, we always have to combat those scriptures. What about women be silent in the church? And um, the people who feel like women shouldn't be um, in leadership or they, they should only lead in certain ways. They should only lead women but never lead men. But be reminded today that whatever it is God has called you to do and however you're leading, that everything in the kingdom is upside down. And um, we don't pick and choose. God does. And if he has tapped you on the shoulder, tapped your heart, and is calling you to do something, I'm here to encourage you today to listen, lean in, and remember that you are part of this upside-down kingdom, and God has big plans for you. Bless you all. Thanks for um, listening today to our first leadership lesson, and I hope you'll join in um, for leadership number two.